The gospel reading for this morning comes from John's gospel, beginning in the 15th chapter at the 9th verse. John wrote these things, Jesus speaking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And these things I command you, so that you will love one another. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O God, guide us to walk in the ways of love and kindness, compassion and justice, so that we can love you most fully in the love we have for our neighbors. May we reach beyond the borders we have drawn, beyond the walls we have constructed, far beyond the trenches we have dug to truly love your people around the world as you have first loved us. Open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. Jesus says that we are his friends, so I think we need to ask just what are the basic elements of friendship? Well, one, I think, is acceptance. Because a friendship is made of two people who accept each other as they are. Now, I may not understand everything about you. I may not even like some things I know about you. But if I am prepared to accept you as a person just the way you are, and if you are prepared to accept me just the way I am, then we have a basis for friendship. I really think this is a little bit about what Jesus was telling his followers. In no way do I even think that Jesus approved of everything that he saw in Peter, James, John, and Judas. When, we are called, when he called them friends at this Last Supper talk, he already knew that Judas would betray him. All of the others, apart from John, would forsake him in the hour of his greatest loneliness and need. Surely this is a time when he needed his friends the most. Yet the disciples of Jesus were far from perfect. Yet Jesus still said, I call you my friends. I accept you just the way that you are. And he offers us the same friendship regardless of who or what we are. We don't need to be perfect to be Jesus' friends. All that matters is that we are willing to accept Jesus. 
Now, how often do you suppose our friendships are based on conditions? I'll be your friend, providing that we're in the same financial neighborhood and that your overall social status is really to my liking. I'll be your friend, provided that you lead what I call a decent life. I'll be your friend, providing that we support the same political party, go to the same church, and so on. Now, people may not actually say these words, although of late I think they do, but that is often how they think. Sadly, some cannot accept Jesus as a friend because they have come to believe that they are just not good enough for his love. And yet we discover in the Gospels that the people who were the most uncomfortable in the presence of Jesus were not the sinners, but they were the strict moralists, those who took such outward pride in their own goodness and they looked down on the evil of others. I think one of the most lasting images of Scripture is Jesus just standing at a door and knocking all by himself, waiting for someone, someone, to let him in. That is a picture of the high regard that Jesus has for us. Jesus will not kick in the door of your life. He simply offers his friendship and waits for you to respond. And once we do know the joy of having our sins forgiven, of knowing Jesus and having the assurance of eternal life, we will naturally want to share this with our family and friends, our neighbors and other acquaintances. A missionary sat on a patio and watched a black ant crawl up a table leg until it reached some spilled sugar. After it ate some of the sugar, it crawled back down the table leg. Soon, two black ants crawled up the table leg to the sugar. They ate and left. Soon, a study stream of black ants moved up and down the table leg to enjoy the sugar. And the missionary thought to herself, they must have some system by which they communicate. I have found something good, and I want to share it. Like those ants, we have experienced something good, and we should want to share it. Now, studies show that those who are religious are more likely to be involved in their community doing good works. Individuals who regularly attend religious services are more likely to volunteer for community causes than peers who seldom or never attended. Individuals who frequently attend religious services and consider religion to be important in their lives are more likely to give to the poor. Those who engage in private prayer are more likely to be involved in service activities. Senior citizens who place a greater importance on religion tend to be more likely to volunteer in their communities. High school seniors who frequently attend worship services are more likely to volunteer every week in their communities than peers who attend less frequently. Now Jesus told the disciples that they could not bear fruit unless they stayed connected. When we disconnect from Jesus, we lose focus, we're lost. Our faith becomes weak, and consequently, we lose hope. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, no thing. He didn't say, hey, feel free to check in and out whenever you feel like it. On the one hand, we have those who are completely separated from their vine, 
off doing their own thing, and without that connection to the vine, they will not survive. On the other hand, there are those whose faith is totally private. These are the folks who make no mention of their church connection or never get involved in the life of the church. They keep their faith a secret. You can't be connected and be invisible. Now, our faith is not generally something that we like to talk about. The weather, sports, politics, they dominate our conversations, while matters of faith rarely appear at all. Yet Jesus said that we are to be the bearers of fruit. So each of you is a branch. You who are connected to the true vine represent the church wherever you go. And when you are faithful, it is contagious. Our lives, our actions, our love carry and reveal the presence of divine love. Jesus does not give us something. He says that we are something. We are the gift. We are the connection. Listen once again to what he tells his disciples. I love you with the same love that the Father loves me. You have what I have. I give you the joy that my Father and I share. You are a part of us. You are my joy, my life, my purpose. I want your joy to be full, complete, whole, perfect. You are my friends, my peers, my equals. I have told you everything. Nothing is held back or kept secret. I chose you, I picked you, I wanted you. I appointed, ordained, commissioned, and sent you to bear fruit, to love one another. And I trust and believe that you can do it. My friends, we are the love of Christ in this world. Our belief in Jesus' words changes how we see ourselves, one another, the world, and the circumstances of our lives. When we believe these things about ourselves, our only response, only response, can be love. We can do nothing else. We are free to live and more fully represent the love of Christ to the world. And this bearing fruit stuff, it does change things. And we are called to no less than bearing fruit that indeed changes the world. To God be the glory. Amen.